The Detroit Free Press presents Talkin' Lions, your audio home for all things Honolulu blue and silver. Here is your host from the Detroit Free Press, Dave Burkett. Dave Burkett here along with Carlos Menares and Sean Windsor and uh, another draft is in the book, boys. The Detroit Lions just finished Brad Holmes' first draft as general manager. Panay Sewell, of course, the first pick. Uh, look, I... I mean, draft grades, they kind of are what they are, right? I mean, we you really assess a class two, three years down the road. Everyone knows that. But in the moment, I like what they did. I like the first pick. You know, maybe I, I thought there was maybe a little better value in, in round, you know, two than, than Levi Onzerike. But, you know, uh, he runs hot and cold with with uh, scouts. Some people like him, some don't. And they got some good value on day three. I, I'm a fan of what Brad Holmes and the Lions did. Let's hear your thoughts, Carlos, starting with you. Um, it was, it was, it was almost draft, um, malpractice to take three consecutive linemen. I mean, that was just insanity. As you know, I hate, hate, hate the idea of taking an offensive lineman in the first round. It's just stupid. You have too many other playmakers, too many other needs. And will probably be a very good player. Can I stop you real quick? Let me stop you real quick. Well, I mean, if the Kansas city chiefs had an offensive line, do they win the Super Bowl? I mean, what 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 is your why do you hate why do you hate offensive linemen when that or if Tampa Bay so doesn't yeah, or if yeah. Tampa Bay doesn't have Vita uh, Vea right or Vita Vea, do they win to the Super Bowl right or their offensive line? But go ahead, Carlos. Let's not pretend yeah. that the team that won the Super Bowl didn't change their record halfway through because of offensive line play. Or by the way, they got their best defensive tackle back, who they drafted in the first round three years ago. A good offensive line may not always lead you to Super Bowl titles, but it always makes you a good team, you know, a contending team if you have, you know, some other. And where are the best playmakers from, by the way? I'm, we're just adding questions to you, Carlos. Yeah. Where are the best playmakers in the league? Where were they drafted, most of them? But go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. The middle of my sentence was interrupted. <laughs> so um, getting back to the great point I was making, um, you can find these guys outside of the first round. There were six offensive tackles in the Pro Bowl this year. Three of them were drafted in the third round or later. There was one first-round draft pick on the offensive for the Bucks and the offensive line for the Chiefs last year when they won the Super Bowl. You don't have to spend this kind of capital to find these guys. We've even seen in Detroit the Larry Warfords, you know, of the worlds, Dominic Rayolas, like they were really good players, you know, Pro Bowl caliber players. They were not in the first round. You should be able to find these guys. I mean, the, one of the points I made was Hank Fraley is a really good offensive line coach. He got Matt Nelson, an undrafted, converted defensive end, to stop Khalil Mack in spot duty, jumping into that game against the Bears last year, late last season. He's a good coach. If you have good coaches, you should be able to get more out of your offensive linemen. You know, and as far as the defensive tackles, like, listen, the first one was fine. You know, yes, you know, you, you, you needed a guy – you know, in the middle, in the trenches, they didn't get enough push. I, I gave that grade a B. I liked it. But then taking a second one, I mean, it was just like, what are you doing? We're taking three straight. And, and I hate to say, I hate to say I'm like agreeing with Chris Gilman, but as Dave pointed out, and as he said in February, he thought in today's modern NFL, you build from the outside. And why? Because those are the playmakers. Those are the guys that are hard to find. It's hard to find elite playmakers outside of the first round. You know, Martin Mayhew could not draft a, an offensive playmaker out of after the second round. He did get Theo Riddick at, at one point. But I think it's just harder to go that way. I think you can find 
interior offensive linemen and sometimes defensive linemen. Now, if you have a stud, if you have an Indomitian Sioux and, a, and an Aaron Donald, these kind of guys, um, you know, yeah, then, then there's something different there. You know, a guy who's going to produce sacks. But offensive line, to me, it's like, what's the main thing they do? They stop things from happening. They're the worst athletes on the field. You know, they, they, they don't really do much other than, you know, stop a guy here and there, but they can't do, th- and even tackles can't do things on their own. The, the, the film that you see of Panay Sewell, like knocking guys 10 yards back in college, first that's college. Most of those guys are pumping gas probably right now that he knocked into the second row. And second of all, in the NFL, he's not going to do that. He's not going to be, he's not going to be knocking, you know, Daniil Hunter 10 rows back. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a weird, it, it doesn't translate all the time. Carlos, you make, you make a really good point that he was doing that against college guys. Cause Devante Adams, um, I mean, the pro guys that he was playing against last year was, I mean, it was amazing what he was doing against all those pro cornerbacks that he was destroying. So, and every other receiver in the draft. And to your point, I mean, because you were feeding us so much BS there about, you know, the pro bowl offensive lineman, I had a chance to look up the pro bowl wide receivers too. eight of them. You said four, uh, or half of the, the offensive tackles, right, were, were, were first-round picks. Well, guess what? Two of the eight wide receivers were first-round picks. Tyreek Hill was the fifth-rounder. Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, certainly not, you know, first-rounders right there. Chris so, Godwin was yeah, the third. This, this is exactly what – I mean, you're making your, your, your case against yourself that, that <laughs> you know, you look at these receivers and you can find them anywhere as well. D.K. Metcalf round two, Devontae Adams, some of these guys – uh, yes, you need playmakers in the NFL, but if there's not a playmaker that's worthy of taking or that's ranked higher than than the best player on the board right there, why would you why would you leap the best player when he can fill a need and be a long term starter for you and, and have so much upside? Go to Sean Windsor. No, it's, I'm, it's, I'm just want to continue the Carlos questions. I mean, I was thinking about you were speaking about the Super Bowl teams. You, you mentioned Tyreek Hill. I'm, I threw out Chris Godwin third rounder but again you know you just think about that dynamic of that field and that game and i understand the lines are a long way from either of those teams patrick mahomes is running for his life and uh tom brady was not it, it, it's really again that simple and we hate the simple you know i know a lot of football people you don't want to simplify it right it's a complex game in a lot of ways i get it most of us i mean you know maybe dave does carlos and i don't even understand offensive line play. We're sitting there watching it. We don't know what the assignment is, which way they're supposed to go, how, what kind of technique they're supposed to use. You're guessing, right? So the, the fact is, unless it's baseball, Carlos doesn't know what he's looking at it anyway, and I don't either. So maybe Dave does. But uh, I think that's part of it, Dave, is that, you know, it's easier to see, you know, somebody beat, beat a defensive back one-on-one, or it's easier to see a, a running back make a cutback move and make somebody miss, right? So you're like, oh, wow, we want one of those. But I would argue, Carlos, the same, what Dave's saying, the same is true for running backs, probably even more so. Where are the best running backs from? So when you say playmakers, who are we really talking about? If it's not receivers or running backs, some kind of other position we don't know about? Yeah, I mean, you know, quarterback was a huge you know, it was a, it was a big position to me. Patrick Sertain was there. Um, JC Horn was there. That's something they need. Those, those guys are hard to find. Those guys don't shake loose very often in free agency either. Um, you know, I, I would have loved them to, I, I wanted them I want to you take- to find me one talent evaluator in the NFL, like one high level talent evaluator in the NFL who ranked Patrick Sertain ahead of Panay Sewell as a prospect. Like Panay Sewell was considered again, I, this is not universal because, you know, these are, everyone is different, but 
by and large, he was considered one of the top three prospects in the draft. Patrick Sertain wasn't even the first cornerback drafted. Like he, he wasn't considered the top cornerback by everyone. A lot of people thought the top cornerback, most talented cornerback was the Virginia Tech kid, Caleb Farley, who Farley, who went, you know, uh, way down because of injuries. So I don't know what you don't pass elite talent to take a lesser talent, even if that talent is a good talent. When you already have two first rounders and a third rounder on an offensive line, you do not need to overstock that position. It's overspending your capital on a position that's not of need. You need a cornerback. Yes. Penny Sewell is probably graded in the magical minds of scouts who all get together in this cabal somewhere and decide, Hey guys, who's drafted higher? Who has more skill? I like his back pedal. I like, you know, whatever, I, whatever these position, you know, hyper best available, by the way, best available player. That's the best, one of the best branding BS jobs the NFL has come up with of he was the best player available. Well, golly gee, I guess he was the best player available. No, you need, you have to fill positions of need. Otherwise, Dave, how about this? How about you just take an offensive line with all seven of your picks then? Oh, he was just, the offensive line was the best player available at every doggone spot. We had to take them. No, it's lunacy. You have to address needs. With a team that's rebuilding this way, that's so thin, especially in, in the defense, you need to, you should have gotten a cornerback. Or I would have preferred them, now let me ask you this, I would have preferred them to, to trade back and get Micah Parsons if that could have happened. You know, or find, there were plenty of other, Good players, very good players, probably of good caliber that could have been in the mid round of the first round. Um, and I like what I like what Holmes did later in the third third day. But tell me this: Do you think there was a possibility, you know, with your good good friend Brad Holmes now your your coffee partner on Thursday morning? What, what could they have done that? Do you think he because he now he's talking about he was going to move up, which would have been even crazier to move up to get Panay Soul. What do you have considered? I think he's, you said in your story, he got a call or something about moving back, but he didn't like the offer, right? Got a call, when, uh, you know, Wednesday night, he essentially made an offer. He was asked to get, make an offer to a team that was, you know, back deep in the draft and he did, and it was for a lot of draft capital. And, and you know, the team thought about it, ended up, you know, saying it was a little too rich for them. You know, uh, after we talked Thursday morning, there was another offer, a move back, which he indicated was in the twenties. And again, would have netted some significant draft capital and, um, but the same thing where he said, I think his line to me, I didn't put it in the story was, look, you know, this is I'm not trading this pick for a box of Cracker Jacks, right? Like you want, you know, you need uh, excessive amounts of future draft capital to move back that far. So I don't think there was anything uh, worthwhile moving back for that would have kept them in the range of those cornerbacks or Michael Parsons, Carlos. I, I do believe my own personal view, I would have rather seen the, the cornerbacks than the Micah Parsons because you try to build the beast. And I think those players were just better, maybe culture fits, you know, fits for the lions um, as, as good a talent as, as Parsons may be. But, you know, look, um, you, you talk about need and I don't want to spend our whole time on here talking about the first round pick, but you talk about need the lions. I mean, their left side of their line was pretty good, but you know, their right side, you got hell Vitae starting at one of the places and, and Terrell Crosby is a free agent. Like, that's a significant upgrade. And then beyond that, when you, when you think about when the lions are going to be contenders, it's not going to be 2021, right? It's going to be 22 or 23, maybe more likely or right. If, if things go, go well, well, Crosby's long gone by then Taylor Decker, who knows, this is the first year of, you know, the first year of a four-year extension, he turns 28, if I'm not mistaken, later this fall. So, you know, you're projecting ahead when Decker's contract is up and he's 31 years old and you should be a, a, you know, a significant contender if all goes well, 
you got a plug and play left tackle that you're just moving sides, ready to take over for Taylor Decker, who at 31 years old, maybe is ready to, to walk off or go somewhere else. Or maybe you don't want to pay him. So I, I think there's a lot more that goes into it than just saying, well, we have a, we have a starter right now for week one in 2021, uh, you know, at right tackle, we need to get a different position instead. You know, you know who else had a starter at uh, shooting guard, <clears throat> excuse me, in 1984, <clears throat> the Portland trailblazers, Clyde Drexler was their starting shooting guard. And they thought, you know what, we're going to, we're not going to, we're going to go by position of need. We don't really have a center. Um, we're not going to go for the best talent available. We're going to take Sam Bowie and not Michael Jordan. So there's your, there's your need base. Uh, you know what I mean? It's come on, man. You always take the best talent. And by the way, What's wrong with having a pretty good offensive line? The New Orleans Saints and the Indianapolis Colts dragged 55-year-old quarterbacks in the playoffs this past year behind great offensive line play. Guys that could barely throw out routes or throw down, as I wrote, and I hate to say as I wrote because that sounds like Carlos, guys that could play could, could barely throw a 30-yard pass. Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers had noodle arms, and they got to the playoffs because they got time, period. And their running backs had some room to run. Uh, the, the argument is not that you don't need a good offensive line. It's that you don't need to spend this kind of capital on building the line. Teams can put together good offensive lines without having to go first round. For, ESPN had a stat the other day that during the draft that it said, like, since 2015, um, the Lions have had more first round draft picks committed to the to the offense offensive line than any other NFL team, which is why the Lions have been to the Super Bowl for six straight years. No, it's right? not. It's because those picks busted. Gosder Sherilis, right? That was a great pick, huh? I mean, Lakin right. Tomlinson, he lasted, what, right. a season and a half in Detroit. So it's not about the position. And this goes for any position. It's about the player and getting it a great player. And that's to Sean's point. You take the best player. And by the way, as far as defensive tackles, I know, again, Carlos, you like the little bobbles, the bubbles, the shiny stuff, the playmakers, whatever. And I know you need playmakers. But getting back to the defensive tackle argument, you know, you're you're, you're thinking maybe more about edge uh, edge rushers or even linebacker rushers, and I get it. You need that. You know, again, get back to Tampa, and their, their fabulous linebacker, Devin White, right? He was causing – but was there a player like that? I mean, maybe maybe that's Micah Parsons. I don't know. But was there a guy like that, Dave, available in the draft? Those tackles, though, what do they do? They, they make it uncomfortable up the middle, and then you're running for your life. And we saw what happened with that with Mahomes. Yeah, look, uh, again, we'll, uh, let's leave the first round talk right here. Maybe this will spin us into the, to the second round a little bit because, uh, you know, we're going to have – I don't know that we're going to be able to convince Carlos's work mind, Sean, that, uh, that he's wrong on that. But, no, look, <laughs> you know, I, I think, um, you know, if we talk if – we, if we sort of look at, at, a, at an overview here of, of what we liked, what we didn't beyond round one, you know, I, I sort of agree with Carlos in this that – it's not about the picking defensive tackles back to back. I just thought there was a little better value in some other positions, but you know, Brad Holmes was obviously he was a guy that he thought about trading up for Levi Onzerike, you know? So he, he was one, I think as a prospect, Onzerike ran hot and cold with, with scouts, right? There were some people that really liked him, Some people that, you know, didn't see it and Brad saw it. And obviously saw a lot of it on the, the West coast with some of those back 12 guys, he was willing to trade up, um, you know, I think you do need to, to build and get some good interior pass rush and, and build through the trenches and, and whatever you're doing. So I don't have a problem with them drafting the positions. I just, there were a couple guys that I liked a little bit better. Uh, you're talking about that linebacker play, Jeremiah Usukoromoa from Notre Dame. I think he was one not big. And that was sort of the knock on him, you know, Trevor, Trevon Mooring from, uh, from TCU, the safety, that was another guy that, you know, I sort of had targeted for the lions, but 
Hey, uh, I spend a whole lot less on scouting than they do. So, you know, I always, uh, that's why I tend to, to trust what the scouts do a little bit more than my own eye. Carlos. Yeah, I think, you know, to me, the value, and, you know, I think this is what Dave's kind of getting at is the, the draft to me is about value is, you know, where you're picking, right. You know, what are you getting there? And also to me, I think it's about need. I mean, right now, you do need to, I mean, they're not going to contend this year. So you can take a few flyers on guys. I, I, that's okay. I mean, I, I wrote before the draft, the Lions almost can't go wrong, you know, unless they take a long snapper. I mean, they're going to, they, they pick somebody, you know, who, who, if they really believe in them in the fourth round or fifth round, whatever it might be, that's going to fit, you know, because, and that's, what's important is, is right now building that roster, because even if you take a cornerback, they're probably going to struggle, you know, their first year. It's going to be hard with COVID and all this stuff still going on, right? A lot of these rookies may not be as good as we hope they're going to be because of the weird, you know, year that we've been through. Um, but, you know, you need to, you need to, I think you need to find, you, you need to help yourself, you know, because, you know, free agent, the, you know, free agency is pretty much over right now. Some guys will shake loose during training camp. They'll get cut, whatever. You might find some veteran out there, whatever. But this is it, you know, the draft and free agency are pretty much done. And now this is it. This is your roster. How much better are the Lions right now on defense? How much better are they at wide receiver? You know, even Brad Holmes admitted to himself after he drafted the USC receiver, Ramon Ross St. Brown, was he said, you know, he made a joke. Finally, people can get off my ass about, you know, like drafting a receiver. He knew that there's a need there. People are clamoring, clamoring for it, you know. So that's my that's my issue with this. You know, it's just in those positions, whether, you know, like Dave said, there could be better value in some of these positions. Um, but overall, you don't draft for need, though. I mean, it, you're, you're talking about – go ahead, Sean. I was just – okay, so here's my point to all this. I have no idea if this is going to work. I mean, obviously, I don't know that any of us do. Maybe Sheila Fordham does. Uh, she has some kind of a you know, crystal ball or whatever. But I, I really don't. But I do know that he was consistent. He wanted a certain kind of an athletic – person with a certain a player with a kind of a personality and that was true throughout the entire draft if those two tackles hit i don't have any idea whether they will but if they hit they are set up the middle stopping the run and helping to collapse the pocket for a good long while and that's and that's the idea and, and that is a huge huge part of defense maybe not the sexiest part of defense but it's a critical part of defense and we saw with the Lions the last couple of years, especially the last year, they couldn't stop anybody in that part of the field, right? Obviously, they need linebackers um, and uh, cornerbacks and, and all that sort of thing. If Jeff Okuda comes around a little bit, maybe they're a little bit better. You know, with Brockers coming in, I don't know, Okor showed some stuff. They could be conceivably a little bit better. Maybe the fact that they want to play for the staff might help a little bit. No, seriously. You know what I mean? No, I, it's a miserable. I'm sorry, Carlos, but they were miserable a year ago. And if you don't think that matters, you've never done anything athletically at all. Period. You know, at the risk of uh, ruining what I'm writing for for Tuesday, uh, I I talked to TJ Hawkinson last week, and that was one of the things we talked about. You know, Hawkinson shot this commercial last month where he you know was dressed up as a pro wrestler, same in George Kittle, you know, and his little personality and and. You know, I, I, you know, he's got a little bit of that. And I guess some of that has come out behind the scenes a little bit, but I asked him, I said, you know, isn't that Jamal Williams, you see, right. He, this, they bring this guy in who's dancing, who likes to have fun. That's his personality. I mean, Levi owns we heard his press conference the other day, right? Like some of these things just wouldn't fly under the old regime. And I think that you, you know, when you allow people to be themselves and have fun. And that was one of the comments that, that TJ Hawkinson told me. So we're bringing fun back to Detroit, you know? And, and I think, 
when you allow people to be themselves and they enjoy work and want to go to work to your point, Sean, you know, and, and, um, you know, they're not dreading or walking on eggshells, you know, when they're around people in the organization, I think that's not going to, that's not going to make you a 10 win team, but that's going to help get the best out of those people who can be themselves. And that's not to say they were bad people, Carlos, obviously they weren't, that was just their philosophy. Uh, I'm talking about Quentin Patricia, that that was the way they wanted to run things. And that's fine. If you saw the draft footage from when the Patriots called Mac Jones, did you guys see that, that clip package at all? I didn't know how quiet and dry and sort of stilted it was. It was, it was unbelievable. And now that's worked for them. We'll see if it works without Tom Brady. Right. But, but seriously, I, I mean, I, I'm with you, Carlos, in the sense that we don't know. I mean, they might not win at all. I mean, maybe it would just continue the line's tradition. Who knows? Oh, but, they showed, but they showed consistency. I mean, and, but when I say, I mean, Holmes and Campbell and the staff and what they wanted, and they were very clear about it, and, and we'll see if it makes a difference. I don't know. I just got a call from um, Tom Landry, Vince Lombardi, um, and, and Bill Belichick saying that uh, they decided that fun is the key ingredient to winning in the NFL. So uh, I do apologize. I do apologize. Matt Patricia was a big meanie. He was, you know, like all the other uh, 31 other NFL coaches were nice, fun guys, took them to, to uh, you know, Cedar Point and all that stuff. So uh, hey, if you want, if you, if you want to bring that kind of attitude without bringing the strategical acumen or the human relationship part of it or Tom Brady with you, that's fine. If you, want to, if you want to go down that road, that's fine, you know, but you better be pretty, uh, you better be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, it's always, what do we talk about? Every time you fire a coach. He's Basketball. The, that's what we talk about. Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, yeah, I wish you, we could. <laughs> you, you fire a coach. He's the opposite of the last coach, the new guy that you hire. It's always the opposite, you know? So this time there it's all kumbaya. We all love each other. Everybody's, together on the same page, blah, 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 better communication. Next time they're going to hire some hard ass and in three or four years and this doesn't work. So you need some hard ass and no, we've got to have a, a disciplined ap- approach. We've got to have assigned parking spaces. We've got to have, you know, all this stuff. It's going to go right back. We've seen it over and over with the lions. So it, maybe it works, Sean. You're right. Who knows? I mean, no, I don't know. I don't know if it'll work or not. All I know is that outside of new England, that's really not how the business is done at the top level of the league. Andy Reid's not like that. Bruce Arians certainly not like that. It's not like that in, in the NBA. It's not even like that in Major League Baseball anymore, which is arguably even more conservative in some ways than, than the NFL. I mean, teams are – I mean, A.J. Hinch is pretty serious-minded, right, with the Tigers. But but the culture is changing out there. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm not making a value judgment on it one way or the other. I'm just saying I don't know. I mean, you know, it's noticeable. Will it matter? Who knows? We'll see. But I, you're right, Carlos. It, you know the the next regime is usually pretty different than the one the one that, that didn't succeed. All right, let's get back to the draft here real quick. Um, uh, Carlos, Justin Fields. You didn't talk about quarterback when you were talking about passing on on you know and taking Panay Sewell early. Justin Fields. Uh, are the Lions going to regret passing on Justin Fields five years from now? That's you know so so you know we talked about this, Dave, you and I, and that's the. That's the worrisome issue here is, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna be facing Justin Fields twice a year, right? And, like, I don't think – I think – I didn't think it was a great idea to draft a quarterback this year. I mean, I, I just – it just – that I wouldn't have hated it, but I don't think it was really that much of a 
priority to do it this year. Um, and I, you know, people go back and forth on Justin Fields after the three top quarterbacks, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I know you wanted your boy Trey Lance, you wanted your own Patrick Mahomes here, but um, nice most quarterbacks, especially in the COVID days and a lot of questions with even Trey Lance, not playing very much last few years. So it's a gamble uh, at seven, you know, like I said, I think they needed more, more positions down the road, but yeah, if he, when he throws three touchdowns, you know, uh, in that first game against the lions and uh, Panay Sewell allows three sacks from Khalil Mack fans are going to be looking at this a little bit differently, you know? Um, so that's the worrisome part for Holmes. He may have to live with this and regret it. It may not work out that way, but that's a concern. That's got to be concerned every time you're going to play the bears. Certainly, certainly something we will be discussing. All right, Sean, I'm going to look for a, a sleeper pick from you here out of all the Lions draft picks. Um, obviously, Panay Sewell doesn't count, but I was going to say Panay Sewell yeah, because know, right? Carlos Nix is going to suck. All right, so we've got Levi Anzarike round two, obviously Aleem McNeil round three, uh, you know, and Fatu Melifanwu, the, the cornerback out of Syracuse, Amon Ross St. Brown, the wide receiver out of USC, and Derek Barnes, the linebacker they traded up from even Jamar Jefferson, if you want. I mean, one of those guys that you think is going to, you know, significantly outperform his his draft spot, I guess. Three years from now, who are we going to be talking about as maybe being a – I mean, it's tempting to go with uh, with the receiver. Yeah. Right? Ross, yeah. It, and Barnes is interesting, too. I mean, he's he's kind of got some of those qualities Carlos likes. He's got an old-school linebacker quality, but some modern speed and that sort of thing, explosiveness. But I'm going to go with uh, with McNeil at the third pick, just because I think you know that's the one that Carlos dislikes the most. So that's basically why. No, 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 I'm kidding. I, I just his combination of athleticism and quickness and and uh, explosiveness and balance and hands and feet and all that. I, I just you know we'll see. Is he is he you know built built the right way for that spot? I don't know. Maybe you question the leverage a little bit, but he's obviously got some power too. So uh, he'd be the one for me. It's a pretty great video, huh, Carlos? No, Sean, he, he disappeared from our screen. It's an upgrade. Um, there he is. He's back from the car. Oh uh, no, sorry. It was a. Uh, it was uh, my wife calling. So I'll okay. tell you. Right. I, I had to. I had to. De- I had to decline it. You know, honey do list. No, it makes sense. Um, hey, McNeil's. He's he's a heck of an athlete. So you know, I, I certainly can see that. I, I'm on a Monroe St. Brown guy myself. Just again, a guy that I thought was maybe a early third round pick, and the Lions got him in round four. And Carlos, to your point. You know, he's going to play a lot. They need him. You know, I mean, he'll probably start a slot receiver for him. Uh, can play some outside, too. Uh, you know, like I said, I had a scout text me and give me a Golden Tate, uh, you know, comp. And, and so if he's anything like Golden Tate in Detroit, um, obviously that'll be a good one. Um, and then, guys, let's end it with this because, you know, these things. We Wait, what about play. Carlos's sleeper pick? Uh, all right, Carlos, let's get it. I, you know, I just didn't value Carlos's opinion on that. It's <laughs> like I didn't value your opinion on fields. Go ahead, Carlos. Sleeper, who you got? You know, I was going to say St. St. Brown as well. Um, it was, I mean, every, I think it was almost, you know, other than Sean, it was everybody's favorite pick in the draft for the Lions, you know, huge position of need, undervalued. I would even potentially put in or- the Oregon State running back, Jamar Jefferson. Uh, That's just a good gamble, for sure. It's a good gamble. And even if he contributes a little bit and sticks on the roster and, he, you know, he's the rotational guy, I mean, that's the what third to last pick in the draft. I mean, that's a lot of value if he's even able to make the team. Um, showed a lot of production at Oregon State. I think it's just small is the reason why they he's been passed up. Some people had a third round grade on him, more more like a 
universal kind of fifth round pick. Um, so that's really good value there. But I'm on St. Ra, you know, I gave him their first A when they picked him. So, you know, I'm with you there. Wow. He's got great hands too, right? Yes, we'll say. I mean, he's, you know, he's a good all-around player. Physical blocker, you know. uh, Melifonu, I like him as well. So I I would say Melifonu and and St. Brown, those would be the two guys that I would would keep an eye on out of this this Lions class. And I just wanted to, to last thing here, look, um, since I asked you about fields and are we going to be talking about the Lions needing a quarterback again? I mean, ultimately, you know, we talk about where they're at in the rebuild and getting some – some pieces in place, but a lot of this comes down to Jared Goff still at the end of the day, right? Is Jared Goff the guy? What are we going to see from him this year? Are they going to be in the quarterback market again next year? And are they going to have that, that top five sort of pick where they're going to be able to go get their guy, you know, whoever it is, Spencer Rattler, you know, Keaton Slovis, whoever they like. So I don't know, forecast ahead for me a little bit, Carlos, put your, put your, uh, your lion's prognostication hat, hat on here. What are, what are we, what are we going to be talking about a year from now that happens in the draft? You know, um, I I don't think they're going to – I think they don't want to have to draft a quarterback, you know. They want to give Goff every chance to succeed. I think the guy's got talent. You know, I've liked liked his play. I liked his grit playing with the broken hand in the playoffs and, you know, coming in, you know, (laughs) in that game in Seattle and and helping them win. Um, You know, I think he's going to be really motivated. I think Anthony Lynn's a good coach. I think he's going to be motivated. He's going to help him. Um, you know, he's worked with, you know, veteran quarterbacks before himself. Um, you know, I think, I think that they, he has a chance. I hope that they don't, if they don't have to get a quarterback, I think they definitely would not have to, you know, and it's not going to be a great quarterback class for them. They certainly will have the draft capital with the extra first round pick probably to make, to move up. If that's what they feel, if golf is just, you know, God awful, you know, but with what is it like 12 first round picks on the offensive line now? And, you know, they're going to build a moat around him. So I said, if, if anybody even breathes, if no, if a defensive player even breathes on Jared Goff, somebody needs to be fired. Well, well no, they need a right, they need a right guard before you can say that. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. Next, I think next year, Sean, to get the guard. I'm sorry. First round, uh, number five overall guard. Um, top, no, I think, top five. You know, yeah, they uh, look, uh, you know, Sewell, he's a plug and play starter, but he's not, I don't think he's going to be, you know, uh, an elite, elite no. pass protector day one, day one when he walks in. Right. But I mean, again, the feedback that I got was, Hey man, if you want to go run the power behind this guy, he's just going to knock the snot out of whoever's on the other one. He's going to turn into a really good pass blocker and, and he's going to be that, but he's also 20 years old. And to your point earlier, Carlos about, you know, he's, he's playing against grown men. So, uh, so he's not going to be able to just knock them back. Like he did some of these guys in college. Doesn't mean he's not going to do that at some point or be great at some point. I do think he's going to be an excellent offensive lineman, but you know, I think we have to keep the expectations for day one when he steps on the field and is starting at right tackle in check. Sean, same question I asked Carlos. What are we talking about this time next year when we're wrapping up the Lions draft? Well, it might, I mean, it's hard to say. To Carlos's point earlier about Justin Fields, I think we say that because it's the Lions, right? And fans are conditioned to believe that. Of course, he goes to the Bears. He's going to end up great. Here's the thing, and you know this, Dave. You've written about this. We've talked about this uh, almost ad nauseum. But quarterbacks uh, – it's just so hard to gauge. It's it's just it's such a gamble. Justin Fields could could absolutely be the best quarterback in this draft, including Trevor Lawrence. He could be. We don't know, right? But I'm but I'm with Carlos about golf. He throws a nice ball. He's shown some toughness. Maybe sometimes, uh, you know, we we're talking about earlier about the coaching the coaching change here. Maybe him leaving uh, Sean McVay, right, and coming here. 
I think might help. I mean, as much as Stafford might benefit going there from a change, maybe Goff does here. I'm not saying Goff is as talented as Stafford, but he does throw, I think, a nice, easy, catchable ball. He's got some toughness, and and we'll see. I don't know. I mean, obviously, Carlos, to your point, he's not going to have a lot of guys to throw the ball to, at least on the outside. He's got Hawkinson, who's uh, one of the better tight ends. But I don't know. I, I think he gets a couple of years. To see to see what uh, he can do, and it buys them some time to kind of put pieces around him, and then maybe they got a young team that they can find a quarterback down the road, kind of right. Then they go get their quarterback. I don't disagree with anything that either of you guys have said about Jared Goff for the quarterback position. He's 26 years old. He's obviously played in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, certainly too early to to write him off. But uh, I go back to a couple points. One, the Lions were willing to draft the quarterback this year, right? So they. You know, they're realistic about, you know, what they have at, at that spot, right? I mean, you know, Brad Holmes after Saturday, he said, well, we're probably not drafting an offensive tackle round one next year, right? Because we've got Decker and we've got Sewell. So uh, he was willing to draft a quarterback this year. Just the right one wasn't there. Uh, Trey Lance, I was a Trey Lance guy. Number two, as much as we might think that there is some upside there with Goff and, and maybe he can recapture some of that, Look, the Lions are not going to be a very good team next year. And so if we're talking about a team that wins five or six games, are we really going to come out of that season and say, that's my quarterback, right? That's the guy that I'm I'm riding with for the next 10 years. I just don't know if that's going to happen. You throw in all that extra draft capital they have, two first-round picks, you know, the extra third-rounder they're going to get from losing Kenny Galladay, a couple other comp picks. Um, you know, I would be keeping an eye on the quarterbacks this offseason if I were you Lions fans, the uh, well, college quarterbacks, that is. I, I have one one thing to say about that is I, I think Jared Goff should contract with Kelly B. Stafford to work the spin machine. And when he wins five games, it's not his fault, and he did not have enough weapons, and he was doggone it. He's a tough guy. So I think if he works the PR angle, I think we can avoid blaming this all on Goff like we did for the other guy for 12 years. Hey, uh, look, Matthew Stafford did like an Access Hollywood over the weekend, if I'm not mistaken. I just got my Google alert on it. I mean, I think this, look, Kelly, Matthew, that's they're turning over a new leaf in Hollywood now. So let's just, I don't know what all that's going to amount to, but they certainly got their wish going out west there and, and uh, you know, wish them luck going forward. But hey, look, we're, we're almost out of time here on our, our Zoom session. So I want to say thanks, as always, to Carlos Menares and Sean Windsor for joining me. Talking a little draft. Detroit Lions first draft under Brad Holmes and interesting class going to be an interesting group to follow. We'll see what impact they have 2021, but, but more importantly down the road, because this is a, uh, it's a rebuild that we're in. And, and I think if you, if you got an honest moment with, with some of the Lions brass, they'd tell you the same, but they're, they're excited about, you know, uh, where this thing is headed and the, the direction the arrow is pointing. So that'll do it for us for Carlos Menares and Sean Windsor, Dave Burkett, Freak.com.